chapter 14. Okay, John chapter 14. A couple of verses to begin with. Verse 26. Jesus speaking, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Uh, One other verse, just over in chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus has been speaking to the twelve, and he says here in verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I just want to talk tonight about this peace that Jesus is speaking of here. He's saying that he's given he's, he's given them a, a bit of a program, perhaps a, a training and he's spoken not just the things he's spoken on this day but but over the three and a half years that he was with them so that they would have peace and he's saying you're going to have some troubles in this world you're going to have tribulation in another place we know he says you're going to be dragged before the leaders and some of you they're going to kill and we know that James one of the twelve was killed by Herod uh, not too long you know, some years later but in Acts chapter 12 so certainly the tribulations came after Stephen was uh, stoned in Acts uh, chapter 7, the end of 7. Uh, it says that there was great persecution and they were scattered and so on. So it was certainly persecution. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you some peace in the middle of all that. Um, back in chapter 14 there, where we started, he's saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, comforter, and you know everything I've said is going to come back to your memory and people are going to write it down. You'll be able to share it. And verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. What sort of peace does the world give? Uh, a few people shaking their heads. Not, not much. Uh, I mean, you can, you can glean something perhaps here and there. Maybe you, you, know, you uh, get away from it all and go away for the weekend and get into a... You know, uh, a meadow and you know, look at the sky, listen to the bees, or do what Phil Rowley does, drive out to Mount Magnet and sit on the top of a hill for three days, you know, a bit of solitude. Um, Pastor Phil, I should say. Um, but, you know, you look for a bit of peace in this world and, and you can find something, but it's not the same as the peace that Jesus gives. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that's, that's an instruction from Jesus our Saviour, not to let our hearts be troubled. And from time to time we do feel like they are, but, you know, we are in this sort of crazy, hostile, fickle world and, you know, it sort of seems to get at us, but it's like he's created a secret place for us. And because he's given us the Holy Spirit, we can go to that place, can't we, in the spirit and get away from it all. And we need to preserve that. We need to nurture it and make sure we've always got that place in the Lord to go to so that we are refreshed in the spirit, we are strong you know, as saints, as spirit-filled believers and so on. And um, let's look in Ephesians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess I want to talk about peace you know, in that sense tonight. Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse um, 11. And he's writing to these Ephesians who, of course, are not of Israelite stock. They are Gentiles from the city of Ephesus. So he says here, Wherefore remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So he's saying that the Jews call you the uncircumcision, the, the Gentiles outside of God's special people. You know, by that's by them which are called the circumcision. And but this is made by hands. Verse twelve, that at that time you were without Christ. Because of course we know the Ephesians have become spirit filled. Acts chapter nineteen, the first twelve of them, and then the Paul stayed there for a couple of years and the, the church was was growing and it, was also, it says that everyone through Asia heard about the gospel from this work in, in Ephesus where Paul was working for a couple of years. And he says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise because, of course, Israel, the, the nation of Israel, were the ones that had God's promise. And if you were from Ephesus, you didn't have those promises, they weren't for you. You were a Gentile, you were an outsider, you were uncircumcised, you were you know, not one of God's people. But what Paul is getting at here is that you used to be like that, you were aliens, but now you're being brought in. Having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made us both one, both you, the Ephesians, Gentiles, and us of Israelite stock have all become one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, of two, one new man, so making peace. And so in bringing in the Gentiles, and it's prophesied in Isaiah that Jesus would be a light to the Gentiles, that he would bring them in. And uh, here in this, this example, in this passage, Paul is saying, well, there's a wall between us. But Jesus Christ came and he just smashed down that wall and he's made us all one. And in doing that, so making peace at the end of verse 15. So the church of God is a church of peace. And we know that the church is the body, the spirit-filled body. Of Christ, and uh, He is our peace, Jesus Christ, who has made both one. And there's this uh, oneness as we read on in, in chapter 4 that um, one body, verse 4, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And um, in verse 3, this is chapter 4 endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he smashed down the walls that divided people, and I guess you just have to look at our fellowship and you see you know, all the diversity that we have in all sorts of different ways, you know, from different parts of the world, from different sorts of backgrounds, different you know, races, creeds, ethnic backgrounds, 
educations, all sorts of things. He's just made it all one. He's broken down the walls between us and all the people said, Amen, we're all one. And it's the peace that now prevails or should prevail always in this body. And uh, and it's perhaps a, a secret place, as I said. I mean, we all have a secret place. We go into our closet and we pray and we commune with the Lord, don't we? And uh, he says, you know, if you go in private and pray in your closet, I'll reward you openly. You know, people will see openly the results, but we don't sort of stand there being all holy, holier than thou and, and you know, letting people think, oh, we're so wonderful. That's That's not... It's about having a relationship with the Lord in private and uh, there's that that secret place but there's also our fellowship which is in a sense a secret place. And it was reminding me of um, a, a children's book which I read you know, many, many years ago called Secret Garden. Anyone know it? Yeah. A uh, story for those that don't know it, um, the, it's a children's book and the, and the Protagonist is a girl who's born in, in India and um, she's not well and her parents don't really want her so she's sort of looked after by the servants and she becomes a bit of a brat and uh, then cholera comes and wipes out her entire family, her mother, father, all the servants and she's the only one left in the house and, and they come and find her and then they have to send her to her uncle to live in England and he lives in Yorkshire in a rather bleak place. And he's sort of a bit bitter because his wife, who had this, who loved gardening and had this garden with a wall around it, was in the garden, had an accident and died in there. So he walls off the garden and locks the door and hides the key. Right? Don't frown at me like that. I tell you, <laughs> it's got a good, it's got a good ending. <laughs> and um, this little girl goes there and she's just this brat, you see. But gradually, you know, she finds out about this garden. She wants to get in there and. Um, she finds the key, she gets in, she starts tending the garden. There's a sickly boy who turns out to be her cousin. She brings him in and, and there's all this restoration and goodness that goes on. And it's a children's story, okay? But it's very powerful because it's all about, um, I guess, making an effort, helping other people, tending the garden, bringing goodness, and, and then eventually the... Her uncle, who's all bitter and twisted, you know, comes back to life because of this garden. And I thought, I've always thought that story was very much like finding the Lord, because for me, it was some, somewhere hidden, and I thought there's truth out there somewhere, I just don't know where it is or what it is. And I, having been brought up in the Church of England, I thought, and rejecting it when I was about 16, I thought, I know what that's about, I know what religion's about, it's not there, I'll go and look elsewhere, and look in all sorts of places. And then funny thing is, when someone knocked on my door uh, many years later and said, have you heard of speaking in tongues and told me the gospel, it's like they gave me the key and led me to this door and said, try that, you know, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Like Otto said, suddenly that feeling that it's all true, I know God's true as you're speaking in tongues and this miracle's happening to you. It's like the door suddenly opened and there it is. This wonderful garden full of light and beauty, and you think there it is. The truth is there, and and yet it's right there in the world all the time. The secret place. It's got a wall around it. You have to have the key and find the door to get in. You can't just bust your way into the kingdom of God, can you? Jesus said, "Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." 
And you have to do it the right way. You have to repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. You have to go through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. And you have to have someone to witness to you and bring you the key to get in. But once you're in, suddenly you're in that place of peace, aren't you? And it's a secret place. And we try and tell our work colleagues. I mean, it's great if eight or nine respond, but quite often they don't, do they? And you're trying to tell them, I found this secret place that's really wonderful, and they just think you're just a religious person. They just sort of don't see what you see. But we've been in there. We've been into the walled garden, you know, the Lord's special place, and we know what's there, and it's a place of peace. Let's just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 8, well, verse 7, we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit, in earthen vessels, our bodies of clay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. We we know that we are buried in the waters of baptism in the likeness of his death, but we rise with the newness of life, don't we? Just as Jesus came back to life, so too we are made alive by the Holy Spirit. And so we go through these troubles that he said in the, you know, John chapter 16, verse 33, you shall have tribulation, but I've given you this peace. So. We are troubled on every side, um, you know, with, with things to do with, as Trina mentioned, provision, you know, um, things to do with healing needs and pressures of different kinds. So we're troubled, but we're not distressed because we know we have a saviour, a deliverer. We're perplexed. Sometimes we're a bit puzzled about what's going on with our life, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted. But we're never forsaken. The Lord told us we would never be forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. And in verse um, 16, For which cause we faint not, but through it, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Every day we get up, we pray, it's renewed. It's got the Holy Spirit in here. This whole body might just fall, fall off us, and yet this inside us can never die. And all the people said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This, the things we go through now is described here as a light affliction. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And when we go into that place of peace, into that secret garden, if you like, or our prayer, Prayer time, we see these things. We see the things that are eternal and that this life doesn't really matter. It's just, you know, a vapor. We've got to get through it. We, we do what we have to do. The Lord knows we have need of these things and he provides for us. But he says, keep your eyes on the big picture. We heard that in the gifts, didn't we? Don't sort of look for admiration in this world. Focus on the things of God. Um, Mel's been a bit unwell lately. She's had missed a few meetings. She's uh, had to go to the doctor a few times. She's getting a bit down about it, you know, just your health. And she was a bit stressed. She was wondering what that was about. And then she had a prayer and fast yesterday. 
And um, suddenly she felt at peace because she realized what she was stressed about was the illness, you know, sort of feeling the feeling of not being well. And then when she had a prayer and fast and just and prayed about it, put a day aside for it, it's like she just remembered, you know, God cares for me. He's got this in hand. He's got the answer. The end's going to, to this trial will come and there'll be, you know, peace. So I've got the peace now. And uh, Jesus has got it in hand. So we definitely uh, look not at the things which are seen. You know, if we focus on them too much, we get a bit we get a bit troubled. But if we look at the things that are eternal, we're le- we're less so. Uh, Mark chapter four, and Jesus with, with his twelve again, and he's teaching, teaching, teaching all through here. Sometimes he has to sort of pull pull away just to pray. They didn't have this even time to eat sometimes. And uh, verse 35, he says, The same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And uh, I'm sure there's more meaning in that than let's just go to the other side of the lake. You know, Let's go to the other side. Let's get there. Let's get over, cross over this life and get to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And, of course, they remark on this, and they just say, what kind of guy is this that even the wind and the waves and the sea can obey him? But he was just showing them you know, the power of God in this situation, but also when the storms of life are upon you, beset you, and the waves are looming and you're afraid, Jesus can provide calmness in the middle of all that, can't he? And we've all experienced that. Have we experienced that? Amen. Amen. Yes. And uh, it's only when we forget and we get a bit stressed and we, we stop thinking about it, we get overcome. And then we just need to remember, find your quiet place, find that secret place, that garden as it were, the place of peace, and that calmness comes back into your life and you think, oh yeah, I can handle this illness, I can handle this trial, this uh, lack of provision, you know, waiting on provision or this uh, stressful situation, whatever it happens to be because Jesus can always provide calm in every situation. Isaiah chapter 9. And I mentioned this one on Sunday in the communion time. Uh, For unto us a child is born, verse 6, Jesus Christ from prophecy, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. One day Jesus will return and govern the world. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Capital P, capital P, the Prince of Peace. That is who Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace for the whole world that's to come and also individually our personal Prince of Peace for each one of us. So that's one of his titles. Just a couple of scriptures, Philippians chapter 4, just a couple of quotes. Uh, To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the more we tend to the spirit and less to the flesh, the more peace we have. 
also in Romans, for the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Peace is in there. That's where the kingdom of God is, in peace. And here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And uh, what he's saying there is, of course, we obtain peace by handing over all our anxieties to God. If we hang on to them, we don't get the peace. But if we hand over everything, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. How many times have we all sort of had a trial and we've sort of hung on to it a bit or part of it and we've not let it go and we haven't given it over and we think, no, this one needs a bit of thinking about. I can't give that over yet. And then we give it over. We finally think, Oh, of course, what a dummy, you know. I learnt this lesson right right at the beginning and now I have to keep relearning it. But we're all the same. We do that. We hang on to things. We don't give it all over. But be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer. Just everything that is a worry to you. And there's some things perhaps we don't even think to pray about that cause anxieties. And I know there are some, some things for me that I think, no, that's separate. I better hang on to this. This is this is my anxiety stuff that I've got to deal with, you know. What an idiot. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, when it happens to you, you just think, that is amazing, that peace. It's just beyond sitting on a on the top of a hill at Mount Magnet or in the middle of a meadow. You know, it's just something of God. It's it's incredible, it's supernatural, it's out of this world. That understanding. It passes all understanding. People these days keep saying, you know, when they get interviewed on TV, oh, my words can't express how I feel now. I've won the grand final or something. Well, you know, this is really words can't express it, right? Passes all understanding. Um, Last scripture, Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, quoted from the Old Testament, Isaiah 52. And Paul here says, And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We're the ones that have got the gospel of peace. We know we've got the key. We know where the door is. We know how to show people, you know, the walled place, as it were. There's the door. It's Jesus Christ. Here's the key. Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, be born again the Bible way. You know, so what a great commission that we've got. Our feet are beautiful as we go around, as we do the different things that we've got to do. By the way, there's a door knock on this Saturday if you're interested, um, one o'clock in the afternoon. And, um, you know, just the opportunity to, I know, it doesn't have to be a door knock, but, you know, in your workplace, in your neighbours, just people you bump into, you've got these words, you, you know where the door is and you're able to show the people the gospel of peace. So... Let's just uh, cultivate the peace for ourselves and let's share it with other people and all the people.